I am ashamed because I know what Mr. Trump is. He is a racist. He is a con man. And he is a cheat. With the country watching, President Trump's former personal lawyer testified in front of Congress Wednesday. Michael Cohen, who was soon going to jail for previously lying to Congress, detailed what he claimed to hear and see during his time handling Trump's personal matters for over a decade. Was Cohen's testimony attempt at revenge or redemption? This is TikTok. I'm David Myers. Joining me today from Washington is Bloomberg's White House reporter, Shannon Pettypiece. Thanks for doing this, Shannon. Thank you. So I should mention that it's late in the afternoon here in New York. You're, of course, in D.C., where this hearing is still ongoing, but we're on a deadline. Um, so we're going to do this now. But how late do we think this is going to go? Uh, well, I think he was before the House Intelligence Committee yesterday for at least 10 hours. Um, they don't show any sign of wrapping up. So, yeah, it's possible that this could go into the evening. So at the very beginning, though, Michael Cohen made some very serious charges against the president in his opening statement where he called the president a con, a racist, a cheat. How did he explain those statements and how did he provide evidence to back them up? Well, I think there are a few sort of the more damning points uh, that Cohen has brought up. Uh, one is he is saying that um, he overheard a conversation where the president was told by Roger Stone about the release of the hacked WikiLeaks emails. The president has denied this. Um, the implication for this, if the president did know about the release of these emails, uh, these stolen emails before they were released, is, you know, one, um, you know, why didn't he notify the FBI? about knowing something about this, these hacked emails, and two, uh, was there any further information he had had about this um, that could show some sort of coordination between WikiLeaks, um, which was releasing these emails on behalf of the Russian, um, you know, these, I guess, Russian government um, and the Trump campaign. Uh, so there's the WikiLeaks re uh, revelation. Um, he also uh, brought a check uh, signed by the president that Cohen said reimbursed him for uh, um, the payment Cohen personally made uh, as hush money to Stormy Daniels to buy her story about an alleged affair. Um, the importance and significance of directly linking uh, Trump to these payments, which Cohen um, has said in his testimony was the case, that, that Trump directed these payments. He knew directly about them and that they were being done. Uh, so as not to interfere with his chances um, in you know of winning the election. Mm -hmm. So that significance is that it implicates Trump in a campaign finance violation, um, in which the prosecutors in the Southern District of New York have said that this payment was a campaign finance violation. Um, and another interesting piece of documentation that he brought to support his claims were um, these financial statements uh, from a few years. Um, and he says that those financial statements have been inflated, and they were used to help him get a loan from Deutsche Bank to buy the Buffalo Bills. And a significant of that is because you that would be loan fraud. You're not allowed to inflate your worth or your you know wealth um, to a bank in order to get a bigger loan from them. Uh, so that's something new that uh, could pose a legal risk to the president that we really haven't seen any evidence about so far until today. You know, the other questions uh, that came from uh, the House Oversight Committee from the Democrats, one of them was about Trump Tower Moscow. What did Cohen say about Trump's involvement pre- or post-campaign for the president when it comes to that issue? Cohen detailed a 
pretty long involvement uh, that the president had with this deal, something that he was aware about, that he would frequently ask Cohen, how's that Russia project going? Cohen would provide him updates. Um, and, you know, he at one point he said the only reason they stopped pursuing it was because Trump won the presidency, that it was something um, that they continued to pursue, because if Trump didn't win the presidency, it was still, you know, Russia was still a business opportunity that they wanted to have. Um, you know, I mean, I think that is sort of the significance of that. The Trump's involvement, you know, sort of goes to, well, was there this may be a motive for Trump to collude with Russia if there was some um, evidence of collusion. So, you know, really, that's the only the significance of that, but from a legal standpoint. But it also goes to the fact that, you know, the president had repeatedly said he had no business in Russia, no business interests in Russia. And then Cohen would say, you know, that the president would go out and say that a few minutes after he had just asked Cohen um, how, you know, the project in Russia was looking. How about Russia's involvement in the 2016 election and the president's campaign. Did Congress uh, ask uh, Cohen about that so far? They have, to some extent. Cohen says he does not have evidence of collusion, per se. He said he has his suspicions, um, but really beyond the suspicions that um, other Democrats on the committee or other people might have, uh, he did not have any evidence of collusion beyond, um, you know, sort of outline this, um, you know, this idea that the Trump had this Trump Tower in Moscow going on and that he ended up saying he was also told um, afterwards to um, not be forthcoming about the timing of that project. How about the allegations um, from a recent BuzzFeed article that uh, stated Cohen uh, had allegedly told Congress, and, and it's the reason he's he's going to jail, uh, that he lied to Congress and that Trump told him to lie for him? So Cohen's um, description of that is that Trump did not direct him to lie or did not tell him in such words, lie to Congress. But Cohen said it was um, just understood that the timing, he refers to it as the party line, was that there was no business going on with Russia during the campaign. And he knew that from multiple conversations he had had with Trump during the campaign, after the campaign, uh, that the line from the president was that there was no contacts with Russia. And Cohen was someone who wanted to continue protecting the president. So that was the line that he carried out. Um, he, without getting in too much detail, said that the president's personal lawyers, and he believed Jared Kushner's lawyer, had reviewed his false statement to Congress and made some changes to it, um, including changes around the timing of the Trump Tower Moscow. But he did not provide any early draft or any revisions or any documentation to back up that there were specific changes that Trump's lawyers had made um, beyond just a sort of a vague statement that they had made some changes related to that, the timing of that project. And that was the questions that came from the Democratic side of the House committee. Uh, they wanted answers that, you know, Americans wanted answers to. So they dug there. But that was their strategy because the Republican strategy was it seemed to be starkly different. Um, how would you describe the Republican strategy that was led by um, Representative Jim Jordan? The Republican strategy has been to undercut Michael Cohen's credibility. The Republicans haven't been asking questions that would 
necessarily disprove any of the statements that Cohen is making or um, undercut any, uh, you know, discredit any of the specific statements that Cohen's making or anything to sort of prop up uh, the president's image and all this. All they have focused on is tearing down Cohen's image. So um, r repeatedly bringing up the, um, you know, the charges that were brought against him for tax fraud, uh, repeatedly bringing up that he has a history of lying to the Congressional Committee. Um, so really um, a, a continued theme of trying to um, say nobody should believe anything that Michael Cohen is saying now because he has a history of saying things that are false in the past. Once a liar, always a liar. Um, was there anything so far that has surprised you? Um, I would say, I mean, I think this hasn't got enough attention, but that the fact that Cohen is accusing Trump of inflating his financial statements to get a bank loan is, um, you know, could, I mean, if he is um, being correct and uh, truthful about that, um, that's a clear crime that the president could be implicated in. You know, this is before his time in office. Um, and uh, I mean, maybe loan fraud's not the world's worst crime, but it's certainly something that prosecutors in the Southern District of New York could go after, if not the president personally, because he is a sitting president, uh, after the president's children, um, after the president's company, um, if, you know, for committing loan fraud. Um, so I think that's something that could end up being a bigger problem for them down the road that I don't think is getting enough attention um, because it's necessarily as um, sexy as um, hush mm -hmm. money to porn stars or Russian collusion. So how do they push forward then, um, Congress or the Southern District of New York, how do they push forward on the claims that Cohen's making today uh, and w how do the charges then come out of them? Well, you mean specifically on this issue on of any fraud? of them? I mean, how, how it's his well, word I against mean, they, right? Well, that's why they need more corroborating witnesses. And one of the things the members of Congress have asked, particularly, there's this this phone call between the president and Roger Stone, where um, Stone tells the president um, uh, about his conversation with Assange and the WikiLeaks emails coming out. Um, they've asked who could co corroborate that, and you know, one person Cohen has suggested is uh, Trump's longtime assistant at the Trump org, Rona Graft. And so, um, I mean, potentially that's someone that the committee could call. Um, you know, phone records could corroborate it, um, you know, on the payments to Stormy Daniels and trying to prove that the president knew, directed these payments, that it was intended to, um, you know, be something to affect the outcome of the election, and that he reimbursed Cohen while he was president for those payments. Um, Cohen had suggested talking to Alan Weisselberg, who is the chief financial officer for the Trump Org, and Cohen says that Weisselberg was in the meeting where Trump directed these payments, and Cohen worked with Weisselberg to figure out how to come up with the money to pay for these payments. Um, so um, two of those things there, and um, remember the SDNY um, in their investigation of Cohen has all of these documents, has seized all of these, and so uh, there's the congressional committees that can call additional witnesses, but the SDNY can certainly call additional witnesses too. Um, and of course, Robert Mueller, um, he has subpoenaed, um, you know, numerous, numerous financial records, you know, we know from banks, um, emails from the Trump org, you know, and hundreds of interviews with witnesses. So he has certainly been able to corroborate this to, if anybody can. You know, the Republicans, I think, would try to define this as um, revenge, and Democrats would try to define this as redemption. How do we know, in the long run, which one it is? I 
think that Cohen's testimony is just the testimony of one person, and of course he has a credibility issue because of his past misstatements. So I think the way, I mean, if this was a court of law, the way you would know in the end is whether there ends up being evidence beyond a reasonable doubt of someone committing a crime. Um, in a political court, though, and the unfortunate thing is that people will probably just stay on their um, you know, sides of the aisle um, and continue um, holding their ground um, despite what evidence comes out, um, except to the extent where in these past cases, if we go back and look at the Clinton impeachment and uh, the Nixon Watergate investigation, at some point there does sort of become an overwhelming amount of evidence that does, even in this court of political opinion, um, kind of meet that beyond a reasonable doubt um, statute of information. And that's what seems to then um, you know, shift people's beliefs in one way to another. Shen, thank you. Thank you. Make sure to follow Shannon and her reporting on Twitter. She's at S Petty Pie. That's the TikTok for today. Thanks for listening and please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm David Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers and you can get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.